This episode of Murray's Mates is brought to you by Swanson Asset Management, Scotland's property management experts. Sam specialises in contract management, regulatory compliance, defect diagnosis, procurement and stock condition surveys. Call Sam on 075-872-24322 or email samltd2017 at outlook.com. Alright everyone, we're back again with another Murray's Eights, uh, Murray's Eights, Murray's Mates. Uh, we've got another good guest on with us this week. We've got another legend of Lags Thistle, Gary Fleming. How does it feel to be back and involved with the club? Ah, really good, really good. As you guys know, Lags mean uh, an awful lot to me and the memories it's gave myself and my family and the, the, fa- the friends that I've, I've met throughout the period as well. Uh, it's really good to be speaking to you guys and sharing some of my, my thoughts and feelings and stuff that's happened over the years, so good to be speaking to you. You are one of the first people I wanted to get on the show because we knew you had a lot of memories, not just about the, not just from a football point of view, but about how the club impacted your family. We'll get we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. You're one of the first people, and you're also very pleasant. Uh, a very pleasant man. There's a lot we could say, but we'll I'll let Murray get started. And <laughs> Just one question. I'm sure everyone's been wondering uh, just before we start with the football. Gary, how are you coping with not being able to get a haircut during lockdown? <laughs> uh, coping absolutely fine, mate. As you know, I'm bald as they come, so every couple of days, get a shave and a shine. My brand new. <laughs> no, don't worry. I don't go to be too long before there's a, a few of the current squad joining you. Not <laughs> but, uh, there's two of the three goalkeepers that are certainly on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so obviously we're all familiar with you from your time at Lags, but it's it's hard to imagine a young Gary Fleming. But where did where did it all where did it all begin? Uh, where it began with, with Lags? Um, yeah, just, even I'm just going as far back as like uh, boys club growing up. Why did you get into sure, football? Sure, yeah, yeah. So I, I just get into football because maybe every other wee boy does in the west of Scotland, you know. So played the. Uh, Boys club right up till I was 14, 15. Uh, then I was at Morton Pro Youth for about three years. Uh, from that, I dropped back into boys club, uh, played with a couple of local teams, and then I went to Greenock Juniors for my first of three spells. So I'm currently at Greenock again, my third spell. Um, the first of three spells, um, first time went to Greenock. Um, I was only 18, 19, uh, you know, a bit part player find it hard to get in the first team so I dropped out um, and spent a season playing amateur and from there I went back to Nielston I went back to junior and I joined Nielston so I was at Nielston for a couple of years again a, a really good club I enjoyed my time there um, and from after a couple of years at Nielston I ended up back at Greenock for another season or two uh, and then there came a time where for a period for about a year just over a year I couldn't play football because um, I had to work every Saturday, so I had to just play like Sunday League. Um, so from returning from uh, Sunday League football, um, I was keen to get back into juniors to as higher standards as I could, and that's where the opportunity came to to, to, to have a trial at Lars initially, um, and from there the rest is history. You think- what was your kind of first steps into junior football? Like, would you say it was a a kind of tough step up from playing boys club or was that a kind of transition you, you always thought would be easy enough for you? Um, 
no, I think the opportunity came around when I didn't, even, I didn't expect it, to be honest with you. I think one of my friends who's a couple of years older and was, was playing uh, with the Greenwood Juniors already and he asked me to go out and train and now in train I enjoyed it. But what I enjoyed it the most is probably the the level of professionalism that you get that you don't get from either boys club or, or amateur football, that people take it serious and anybody who's played with me or, or coached me or managed me knows that you know, I, I'm very big in you know, in you know, having the right attitude and approaching football with serious uh, uh, mentality and stuff. You know, so um, that's probably what I first enjoyed about junior football. And as you you play the higher higher levels, um, especially you know with Lars and the Super Prem and stuff, you you see that level of professionalism even more. And um, that's what I kind of loved about it as well. You know, so I maybe know as you guys know, probably know the most technically gifted or the most glamorous sort of player to, to grace Barfield's football pitch but what I will do is I'll give you a 100% um, and I suppose that's an element of why I, I like junior football. And then uh, you touched upon that you, you played Sunday League for a while what was what was that like just an end comparison was that a big drop down for you and did you kind of miss playing in the the, kind of, the bigger leagues if you will? Oh, huge, huge drop down, huge drop down in, in every sense, whether it's, you know, the, the, the standard of football, like I mentioned the attitude towards football, the parks you play on, the teams you play against, you know, but for me, it was just kicking a ball and, and staying, trying to stay relatively fit as I, I could, uh, whilst I worked, worked and tried to get off my Saturday shifts and work. Um, but it's, You're saying about work, uh, how difficult is it for for people especially it's that's part-time football kind of summed up isn't it try to get a Saturday off isn't as easy for everyone know everyone's got a Monday to Friday 95 type thing is that something that you think you find difficult was just trying to balance work and playing football that is that is and um I think every junior football would have experienced those challenges at some point whether it's getting the training you know whether it's um you know try to get your Saturday off work you mean I would do anything to, to try to get a training and try to get a, a game on a Saturday. I would, I would move mountains, you know, just to, to get there and take on shifts, use my, my annual leave allowance, um, you know, and work other people's shifts so they could cover my shift and stuff. I would do anything. I'm sure there's boys all across junior football who would do the same, you know, just, just to get a, a kick out of football. I also, you've quite a demanding job as well. So it's quite, it's, you've quite a demanding job and you've got quite a demanding career in the game so that must have at times been quite a challenge at times to I don't play football and I think just being involved behind the scenes is challenging enough when I tried to yeah. I was naive enough this is my first sorry for slightly interrupting this is my first Monday to Friday job for about 10 years and right. it's quite I work in communications as you know and even during lockdown when we're not playing when we were playing, I found it a real challenge just to juggle. And when we're, even when we're not playing, most of my work is about creating content. Obviously, you are scoring goals while I'm creating content, but the it is quite a hard thing just to juggle socially, keeping fit, etc., etc. I'd imagine you'd, you'd agree with. Yeah, it is, but I think football is your, your getaway from the your, your business is normal work and your a hectic family life or, or what have you, you know, football and a, a dressing room with, with people you love to be around, playing a game that you love and, and working towards an end goal is, is a massive distraction to any sort of normality that you've got in work or, or at home, you know, so 
think that's why we play and love it and why why we do it. And then uh, you eventually get the work schedule sorted out and you come to lag. You see, it's a, a kind of it's something you see as a real turning point for you. But what kind of dressing room was it like when you first joined? Because you know, two years previous, to, well, I know we're going back a little bit. Uh, you joining, you know, they've just won the Ayrshire Cup and they've got promoted via the playoffs in that game against Ashfield, which I'm pretty sure just about everyone <laughs> in Lags has seen at this point. But then again, they struggled to kick on for that success and, and get relegated the following year. Was it a tough dressing room to come into at that point? or It was. So when I, when I, when I first signed, I think I signed around about November time, but then I got injured, so I didn't play right away after I got signed. So yeah. I played two two games under Sandy McLean before he left, and then that's when uh, Brian and Arnie came in. And the thing is as well, like, when I, when I joined, there, there was good players in the squad, and you only, you only need to reference back to the games you were mentioning about the, the Ashfield game, and the, that that team didn't change overnight. You don't become bad players overnight, you know. Probably at the time... They just needed a change, as as what happens with a lot of clubs, you know. Um, so there was there was good players, but there was probably bad habits there as well, and you know, and probably needed a, a fresh set of eyes and, and um, new ideas to, to get the, the better out of them again, you know. Because it's one of those things like uh, Kev talked about it a lot, and mm-hmm. just kind of once you get into a losing habit, it's just trying to get out of it. I mean, it's the it is they're winning, but. That, that is, and that's sorry, Paul. Carry on. That particular uh, will you can that particular season actually the happy ending for us because when you came in, uh, uh, yes, correlation equals causation here. When you came in, uh, we went from a team who were fighting. We couldn't we couldn't buy a win. One of your first games, we lost four mm-hmm. one at home to Greenock. We mm-hmm. by the end of the season, your first goal came against Pollock. And again, we should have got mm-hmm. a, a point in as one of your teammates wrongly the goal disallowed. That season, <laughs> it had a happy ending, and it had a happy ending. So things changed quite a bit over that season. Did you see when Brian and Arnie came in? How things changed? Obviously, you just came in, but how things changed over that first season, two thousand fourteen, fifteen? Massively. So I, I was probably training. Relax. Before they came in, I was probably training for a couple of weeks in October. Uh, signed, then I got injured, and then I I played a couple of games. So I was probably there for about a six or seven week period before uh, Brian Narny came in. Um, so I, I could see the distinct difference from when they turned up. And I listened to Kevin's podcast the other night there, which was, he described it very well in terms of you know the the impact that they had right away and their approach that they had with players in terms of you know the. The, the mentality that they wanted to bring um, and it was an old hockey like mentality I mean if there's guys standing in front of your dressing room who's won six or seven Scottish Cup between them you know numerous amount of Super Leagues West of Scotland Cup Finals win the lot that they can at this level and the, uh, so you're going to listen to what they're going to say and the ideas they're going to put across and one of the first things they they done was made us hard to be beat so it wanted us, they wanted us to have like the competitive edge, you know, getting in people's faces and making it hard to making us hard to beat. Um, it probably looked at the certain players that we we had in, in terms of the, the style of play was a lot different from my first year to it was the last year, um, and just it, 
the army and Brian's desire to win and passion to win was so infectious in the rest of the players. You know, they had such high standards that um, the players had to meet the standards, not the other way about, you know. And I think Kev touched on it the, when he was mentioning his, his podcast as well, but training training meant everything to these guys, you know. And I, I like that because I, I, I love training. You know, I'm not one of these guys that will be, be lazy on the training. Training meant everything. If you showed up, turned up in training, gave your best, showed real desire to improve, to get fit, and to be ready for a Saturday, there's a good chance that you'll be on that first 11 team sheet. And that probably stood me in good stead my whole time at Largs because I was under Arnie, and, and that's something that he, he is a must for him and a player. Um, so training was full on, it was full contact. And by having that sort of full contact, full tempo, then we're taking that into, into games, you know, and that's where it started to turn for us. Because that's what I was, I was thinking. I'm, I'm assuming when Gaz Fleming came to Lags, he was the same type of player that we know him as now. He didn't turn up to Lags as a flair player or anything like that. He came in as someone that wanted to work hard and just do the, the kind of dirty side of football, pretty much. Exactly, exactly. You know, I, I knew my job. I knew my limitations. I still do. Um, so if I, if I can do a job and re be respected for the side that maybe people don't like doing, then I've done my job. You know, if, if I come back and sit in that dressing room, look across my teammates after a good victory and, and you know, they're high-fiving me and saying, well done for the job I've done, then I'm happy with that. I don't need to score goals or, or make loads of assists, you know. Because that's what I thought. When I heard Kev talking about Slavin coming in, I thought that must be the type of manager that would suit guys right down to the ground. Just somebody that's got that kind of mentality of hard-working well, I know, I know what you like at training, but it's heavy. You're coming off that part just as tired as you would be after a game. <laughs> uh, no, you know, see, like when you when you play in that dressing room, even even before you get in a game or you get it for the second half or half time, you feel ten feet tall. You know, you feel motivated to go out and battle and get a result. You know, and if you if you play well, then, then great. But the main thing is you're getting those three points or you're getting that win. And I think that was the start of like. Paul, you'll be able to correct it. Some like a 17 or a 19 game unbeaten run. We're just having a correct. sheer desire and, you know, will to win. You know, it, it was amazing. And the thing is as well, um, Brian and Arnie, Arnie played it well in terms of complimenting off Brian, you know, so good cop, bad cop, depending who was a bad cop that day, the other one turned good cop and same vice versa, you know. So they played it really well. And I always remember there's a, a couple of things I'll, I'll probably say say about slaves as well is that the season after what we'll call I think we call it a great escape was during we had like a presentation night and I can always remember Brian standing up in front of the, the whole hall and he addressed everybody in the hall in terms of the players, the coaches, the committee, the families, the girlfriends, you know, the, the backroom staff. He says, look, we've got a goal next season. We know we want to be promoted. And he actually kind of shared that goal when he demanded it from everyone, not just the players. He said they wanted everybody to play their part. And that really resonated with who's Victoria, who's now my wife, you know, in terms of her playing her part, with, you know, letting me off the night feeds on a Friday night before a game or, you know, come support me home and away and listen to me on a Saturday night when we get beat. So there was a real start of an in-it-together sort of thing, not just for the players, but for everybody else involved, and that meant some of the, oh, like the girlfriends 
we're all getting closer and the committee were closer with supporters and it really helped drive, in, in my opinion, lags forward because we were, there was that sense in it together that Arnie still holds this day, you know. Um, and I can remember that at the start of the season, but what I also remember the end of the season is that the day, the end of the season, when we get promoted uh, at Kilsyth away, I can remember we were going to Kilsyth's clubhouse to get a few drinks. Now, it was one of the last ones to leave the changing room, but Brian and Arnie were still there. And Arnie says, they, they ask, I think I said to Brian and Arnie, I says, are you are coming? And Brian says, no, give me a moment. And he was in the, the wee cubicle, or the wee toilet bit at Kilsyth in the changing room, and I could just see him having a wee moment, just taking all in what he'd achieved in under a year and a year and a half, where it was a 19 games unbeaten to then get promoted for the following season. And that's what I mean, because it just it's his hard, hard work, desire that, that, that the guys bring. And that was a, a really vivid memory for me of the start of something good to, to the end of something good, you know. Again, just for our listeners, this when this goes live, this was season 2015-16 that Gary's just talking about, where mm-hmm. Kevin discussed this last week as well, where we were promoted, which was a major change from the previous season when we narrowly avoided relegation. And it showed, mm-hmm. as Gary has explained, just what a big difference this change in mindset had made to the club and in some ways brought about the, the club that you know today. I get, I still get quite emotional. I still get quite <laughs> emotional thinking of those of those days. Actually, Definitely. I really missed that season, but it was everyone at the club deserved. We deserved that. We deserved that after a difficult few years. Thank you for being part of that team. <laughs> no, it was amazing. Amazing being part of the team. I've still got the the you know the memories in my head. All, all the supporters running down the. The stands at the side of Kusayf or the standard bit at the side of Kusayf and going on the park when the second goal went in and then the, the full-time whistle and we've got pictures of everybody on the park afterwards and supporters hanging from crossbars and, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, the bus journeys and the way home and stuff like that as well. Fantastic. Amazing memories. Amazing, amazing memories. Just t- kind of touching on that season you get promoted, you're saying the uh, 15, 16, was that your, your kind of first taste of that? Was that your first kind of promotion or was it just the first promotion at a club where it meant that much? Um, it was it was my second my second sort of promotion in a league as such. I, I, I played half a season with Greenock um, and then that was that was when I had to, to go and work the Saturdays. But Greenock went, went on and got promoted that year so I'm saying I played my 10 games and got my, my promotion there, you know. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was probably the first one of, you know, really tasting what a, a, a proper achievement is at a good level in, in junior football because the following year, um, you're back up to the, the top tier of junior football competing with the best, you know. And you're saying how much uh, it clearly showed that it meant to, to slaving it there when you've seen it, the changing them at the end of the game. Uh, how much did it mean to you at that point, as you're saying? I mean, you've been promoted before, but it's you've just kind of played your 10 games and you've, you've taken your promotion. This one, you're kind of directly involved. You're a kind of key part of the team. How does it feel to be a kind of key member of a team like that? Oh, that, amazing. But it, it, was, it, was just, it was just a squad thing. It was a, it was a, 
it was just a goal for all of us that we had a when we carried on the the unbeaten run from the end of the season into the start of that season, you knew you were on to a good thing after seven or eight games of, of winning at the start of the season. And it was all about, you know, keeping those standards high, whether it's in training, you know, getting numbers at training, um, and, and just walking towards getting at three points every single Saturday. Um, and thankfully that I got to play, I think pretty much most of them bar two or three, whether it's through injury or suspension or what have you. But um, oh, it was it was amazing, and it, the pictures for that day make me still make me smile smile so they do because uh, at Kilsyth Day was special, and I think Kev touched on it on his podcast as well. But when you're playing the game and you score that goal at, at one each, you don't know where you stand. You know, all you're, all you're concentrating on is trying to win. But when we left it really, really, I think it's pretty much the last kick of the ball that was scored that got us promoted. You know, so what a feeling when I'm in, and what a feeling when you realise that you. You actually got it, got promoted, you know. And you, Gabriel, you touched on the season before, so the 2014-15, about the Great Escape, as as it's been kind of uh, dubbed. How does that compare? Like winning a league in like in a dramatic fashion, or not winning a league, sorry, getting promoted in a dramatic fashion, as opposed to avoiding relegation. Is how how different is that feeling? Even though you've kind of worked similarly hard just to get to into both positions. Oh, it's, it's night and day, night and day. One's a, one's a relief and the other one's, you know, elation, you know. So, it's, it's but don't get us wrong, those two two achievements there. When um, Brian and Arnley came in, there was only one objective, which was to was to stay up, you know, and not be able to lift it late. But it, so, really, you shouldn't be celebrating staying, staying up the way we did at Cumbernauld that day. Um, but we did because it was, a, it was an achievement when... We looked down and out at one point, you know. So uh, two total different feelings, but two achievements, all the same. And as well, just kind of touching back on it, the management team coming in. How impressed are you what you done? Because I think it would be easy for two people coming in from like you know, a Talbot team that can everyone. If anyone refers to junior football, one of the first teams they look at that's Talbot because they're the kind of model for other clubs. They've had a lot of success. They've won trophies, but they've came into a club who at large were in a pretty their position and adapted. How how impressive is that? And the kind of way they changed the whole mentality. Oh, but you know, it's it didn't it didn't it didn't happen overnight. You know, so it, we had they had the initial reaction, which stayed up. We then had the promotion. Then we went through a tough season where we found it tough in the the super the division, and that's the the year that uh, Brian left around about October time and and Arnie, uh, took the reins and and stuck with it and um, we went down but we came back stronger than ever after after we went down um, and we went strength from strength you know so as much as most of my time was at Largs was you know full of highs and great times I had to experience some of the lows as well and the work that Arnie had done to you know um, recycle the squad and and get fresh players in more hungrier players. Um, more gifted players uh, throughout the time as well. I mean, you think that the the team, the final team that I played with with Largs was so gifted um, compared to where it was when, when I first started as well. So it only done an amazing job just actually turning that around. And he's an amazing coach. What, what I would say about Arnie, he's an amazing coach. And and you seen that when he was he was like 
number two he slaves, but he took it to another level when he was number one and, and put his, his own ideas on things as well. And um, I actually owe a lot to, to Arnie in terms of how much I've played over the years. Um, like I mentioned, I'm probably not the, the most glamorous of picks and stuff, and but it, he, he seen something in me and knew I could do a, do a job and I played really, really regular with him. Um, probably not so much my last year, but that's just down to the, the standard that his squad got. Um, so I, I owe an awful lot to him and you know, I'm still, still really close friends with him to this day. Uh, you, you, you touched up on the kind of 16-17 season where you get relegated to the Premier. What kind of went wrong? Because you've, you've come into it with a winning mentality, but obviously it's a huge step up in standard. Was it just probably a little bit too soon for the squad that you had? Definitely, um, because the, what, was actually, what probably happened was it was the squad that nearly got relegated the year before. They went on and get promoted, which some of those squad, or quite a large bulk of that squad, went into the Super Premier, probably not ready or equipped. And we, thinking back to it, we probably didn't add to anywhere near what we added in the years to come, you know. Um, and... I think it takes a it takes a certain type of player as well. I probably played with, with players that year, but it was maybe not as, not as hungry or football didn't win their number one and the, the, their attitude wasn't wasn't great at times, you know, and when when you were up against it, um there were people who maybe who wouldn't go in the trenches with you and they'd rather just down tools and stuff. But um Arnie would soon kinda get rid of the get rid of the people who probably in, in his eyes weren't uh, doing their part you know and then one note that I've got down for the season which kind of goes slightly off on a tangent but you could not talk about it just due to sheer popular demand <laughs> that goal against Joker <laughs> you need to walk us through it you need to tell us through it how did that happen oh, again, oh my word this goal was <laughs> it's a good thing right I enjoyed it but it was um I loved it because it was an important goal and it was scored in the last you know, seven or eight minutes of a game when a year we were going to get promoted. But there's an actual backstory to that, that goal as well where it involves big Nicky Jameson. Now, I, I can see you smiling on the camera because <laughs> uh, you just need to mention big Nicky and you just think all oh, the daft stories about him and I can kill you a couple, right? But the one with, with Nicky was... Um, the day of the Yoka game was howling a wind and rain. It was a terrible, terrible day. And Nicky had been Nicky, photoshopped an old Yoka versus Largs sort of programme, sort of image, and put game postponed. He's then posted that on the WhatsApp. So, Murray, who I played centre mid with, he went to the gym that morning thinking the game was off because Nicky had posted, right? <laughs> uh, so then what happened was Murray's come out of gym, realised the game was on, played the game, and it was a, a big important game run about, you know, March, April time. And it make matters worse, what had actually happened was some of the senior players and stuff were saying, look, you've got too much carry on in your head talking to Big Nicky and stuff. You know what Big Nicky's like, blasey I don't care or whatever. But what had happened was the very first goal of the game was because Nicky never tracked his man and he scored a goal. So it made matters worse. He's put my centre mid out because he was at the gym 
and then his, his first goal uh, at the game was um, was his fault. So obviously the goal which was uh, a really enjoyable one was just because it, it meant a lot and it was at a crucial time in the season as well as a crucial time in the game, you know. So and even even Bell that, that floated in the top corner. Because uh, as I was saying, when I had Kev on last week, you know, scored plenty of goals there, and I said when Kev, when Paul sent me across, just like uh, about a bit of your stats, I thought Gaz could probably tell us every single goal he scored and every single. Oh, the sad thing is that, well, not sad per se, but we now do a goal of the month contest. Yeah, oh. <laughs> not that it's went very far this season because we've only had a. Uh, We've only had two because we didn't score in October, and we've only had two. So it's gonna. Be, let's see how we had one in 2016. There's a strong chance he would have won that season, <laughs> and we'll probably Maybe. got onto another goal later in the podcast, which would have been a contender for that season. I, I, honestly, I think you've got to bring it back just for guys. Have a historic goal of the season come. <laughs> As for us, I'm actually. We'll get onto it, but I admitted in the last podcast that the season we reached the Scottish Cup final, which we'll obviously get to later on, I accidentally wiped all my footage from that season. Uh, not, it's obviously on YouTube, but I mean the full games. Yeah. Uh, so, which I managed to salvage the semi final, thankfully. But, uh, <laughs> but that's an idea because we've got quite a few. You'd be a contender quite a few times, but we'll talk. We'll talk more about that <laughs> later in the podcast. You need to get a camera into training so you can get all the times I play at field and score goals. <laughs> I think that could fix one of those competitions that I win at something. <laughs> uh, so you've been relegated, but we said Arnie's taking over, and I've, I've kind of put, I've put down like you know, even though it's this season that we've we've been relegated, Arnie's taking over, and it's, it's you could probably look at it as a, a turning point, despite. The going down, and then obviously that's that's proved because the next season we've got promoted. But that was the first season I came in, so this is when I kind of started to know a little bit more uh, about the club. And I don't know if you remember from that season that we got promoted without scoring a huge amount of goals, and it just was all built from that being so solid at the back. Did you feel a vital part of that, and was that a kind of system that suited your style? Definitely, um, I think. It was the, if I remember right, the formation was a, was a back three and it was Big Nicky, Big Craig and, and Alan Goldbride. Um, and that suited me having these three big monsters winning the headers and, and sending it, you know, 20, 30 yards back up the park and I could do my job and try win the, the second balls and 50-50s um, from them. And the, and the good thing is with them guys winning the headers, they're putting it back over my head. So... For me to do my, my job, I'm I'm trying to catch people out facing their goal rather than facing the other way, which, which suited me. So the definitely the, 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 a clean sheet felt as, as good as a goal for me, especially in that season anyway. Then uh, even there was another one where, you know, we were probably stuck in between, you know, are we going to push for promotion? We had the kind of added benefit of a lot more teams getting promoted that year because they expanded the Premier, but... See the end of the season when uh, I, when I came in, and uh, one of those stats I don't know if Paul could uh, confirm it. I'll have to look it up. I am pretty sure that I have never been on the bench for a league game, an need to state league game that we have lost. And the end of that season was a big part of that because that's when I was on the bench. And it was literally just one after me, one. Let me just check that right now. Continue speaking. And I'll have a look. <laughs> because we had a few we had a few big games and 
you could you could tell even just me coming in the the feeling around the squad was amazing at that time. I mean the celebrations when we beat Canberra Slang or the big wins against Shettleson. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't get off work for the Cumbernauld game because the nice lad of very much enjoyed stuff <laughs> after that one. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, it, was, it was brilliant. And even at even at Canberra's line game, that sticks in my memory well because it was a huge game, huge game. Uh, if that's the right season I'm talking about now, did it a game we won three 0 Or was it a game we uh, won five? At Clyde, at Canberra's line we won. At Canberra's line we won three 0 I remember right. right, like Canberra's line were above us pretty much all of the season. That's right. Towards the end, they just took a bit of a nosedive. Albeit, I think they got promoted. I think they finished fourth in the end and came up automatic. And we just we were going the opposite direction. I think that game we might even have leapfrogged them or something like that after we won. What was the added the added spice to that game was the fact that um, a couple of months before the game got abandoned at half time uh, against Canberra Slang. If I, is that right, Paul? Yeah, it's game? yeah. That was some afternoon. Aye. That's all we need to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> so the game the game get abandoned at half time. So there we are. But we're showing up a couple of months later, not not met each other again since, you know. So had that wee bit of added spice to the fact that um both teams were going for a promotion, there was a wee bit of needle in the game. Um but we went up and absolutely steamrolled them. We played so well that day. Uh one three nothing and there's a there's actually a celebration photo where all the players are, are gathering together and big Nicky's jumped over the top of us and he's he's punching the air. But then, obviously, that was run about the time where, I don't know if you remember the celebration, Michael Lustig put on the, the polis, polis hat. <laughs> so there's a, a, a Photoshop uh, picture and a Nick Egan about wearing that celebration, except he's wearing a polis, the polis hat. Um, so that was, a, that was a good memory from that day. But uh, that, was a, that was a really good really good game. and I, I enjoyed that one. It was, a, it was a tough time in the season as well, because it's typical junior football, like, Gets to the end of the season, you've played about 20 games, you've got to play 38 to complete the league. You're playing, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, pretty religiously. I mean, how much does that kind of speak volumes or the, not even just the standard of the squad, but the fitness to kind of keep pushing through when we'll kind of touch up on the Ayrshire Cup uh, final? And then <laughs> under that, just like, keep, keep both going so well at that time of the season. Uh, you'd be, see, the thing is, if, you, if you're playing in uh, one arm these teams, then you better be fit, you know. And if you're not fit, you better get fit. You'll know that yourself. Eh? Some of the, the running, the drills, and stuff like that, you know. So if the if the league was purely come down to fitness, we'd be streets ahead of everybody, you know. And I think that was a a big part of why we, we were successful because not only came with the fitness, it came with a certain mentality that that brought as well, you know, to to go through the tough times, to to feel the. That, that when it does get tough, whether it's the running or the type of training, that that carries you in good stead, you know. Uh, and then I, I kind of touched upon the Ayrshire Cup final. Uh, how good was it to get to play? And um, was that was this would that have been your first cup final? I would have been my first at junior level, yeah. So um, it was it was amazing at the the build up to it and the fact that you know that um, we beat. Burnley in the semi as well, and you know we were playing um, co-winning and a and a team who we, we, we felt we could beat. Um, just when I, when I think back to that day, though, we we huffed and we puffed and never really never really done much. Um, although we, there was a couple of decisions that probably went against us. Um, I think one for one for their goal, and then I think Big Nicky 
had one. It was either disallowed or can you, can you remind us, Paul? What, what right, happened? It was, it was a it was a disallowed uh, header for a corner, and it was something. It wasn't. Like, uh, it was, a, it was a no a foul. Like he gave a foul, but it wasn't even against Big Nick. Yeah. It was against Laurie at the front post or something like that, and it was it didn't even affect the play. Or, I'm not even nah. giving that. It was it was ridiculous to be fair. It was. But, it was. Um, so no, and the thing is, like, Pro Winning was a team that the uh, I, I did I did really respect Pro Winning a lot, but I hate play, hated playing against them, especially um, at Abbey Park. I just didn't find that a happy hunting ground at all. Um, I think I won once there. Uh, in the year, and there was a year we got uh, relegated, and I can always remember a time where at Kowinim, it was when uh, Brian Brian still played, and it was in the Ard Dark Cup at the start of the season, and I was playing centre mid, and I think I was, I was actually playing against their gaffer at the time, Strainey, who at that point must have been in his mid to late thirties, and I'm still in my twenties. I mean, but I just didn't get near him all day, you know. So I get I was on a booking at half time. And quite rightly, we were getting a, a, getting tore into at half time, and I can remember distinctly uh, Brian saying, "Do not anyone go out here and get sent off because he's a three 0 down." He says that's the the coward's way. You go out there and get yourself uh, back into the game the proper way. I'm telling you right now, do not get sent off. What did I do within the first five minutes? I get sent off. So, oh. oh my, my goodness! So, see, see, when I was, I was like, I get in a shower, I get changed, and I was sitting there, and then it was the longest second half in the world because I just wanted, what I don't to come in and, and and tell us, you know, shout at us or whatever they wanted to do. Um, but it was just, oh, to see the feeling of of getting sent off after them distinctly telling us five minutes before they not get sent off. Oh my word! You had many so cards I, your career. <laughs> so, um, I've had a few. I had a few, and by the way, I actually I'm probably worse for a, a booking rather than a red card. But I think one of the things is that the referees see a, a wee baldy guy who likes tackling, and automatically, you know, I think you need to get a card out for me. So, um, so I had a, I had a red card at the one in away, and then it was the week after the Yoka game. So I'm talking about Yoka game where. You know, I was all high-fiving. I was a hero at the, the Yoka game. The following week, I get sent off at Blantyre and they beat oh. to nothing, you know. So I undone all the, all the good stuff. Um, and, and then the, the other one was, I can remember, I get sent off against Arthur at home. Um, and what happened was, was a stramash. All the players were, were all, you know, handbags, you know, um, and they were all gathering together and I think the wee scuffle broke out but I wasn't even involved in the scuffle I know exactly who the player was but I'll not name him right? but I know exactly who the player was and the referees pulled me to the side and red carded me and said I punched a player and I'm like Pfft. so that got me a free game ban and there was a bit of a mix up in the whole appeal process as well uh, by the time they received my appeal in writing and stuff then I never sent it on time and I could have just done it by email and stuff. So that was disappointing as well. So I had three red cards at Largs, if I remember right. But uh, aye, so they're part of the laws, if you're asking me that, you know. That, is, that, is that something you've you found a bit of a problem? Is literally you look like your kind of stereotypical likes to go about kicking folk players, so you get kind of treated harsher for refs. Is that, is that a thing? 
that and been a wee bit mouthy, eh? So <laughs> it's just it's just my job in the team, you know. So I, my time at that was that was my job in the team. If I needed to, to win the ball back and give it the better players, you know, and if I needed to take a booking or kick someone along the way, then, then so be it. Um, so I, I I probably did get a wee bit of a reputation with, with referees. Um, that's part and parcel of all that I done. That's I think that's that's mental to be fair. I'd like to see how, <laughs> how the referee that squared up to the boy in the in League One and I would get on if he squared up to the oh. in the middle of the park. Oh man, you see that the other night. I thought that was mental to be fair. I like it. I like, I like the refs giving a wee bit back, you know what? They take a lot. Less nonsense if you had refs sticking the heat on foot more often. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah, getting back to getting back to your lag stuff. Uh, that season, I, I I don't know if it's maybe just because uh is when I've came in. I don't know how long it's been going on for. I think that's kind of when you started to see that mix of more experienced players in the squad, even though you're not you know, an older player by any stretch, you've been through a lot more than some of the players that are coming in. Is that when you start to see that, that kind of blend of younger players mixing with the kind of more experienced players in the squad? Definitely, definitely. And we had some real, real good experienced players um, throughout, you know, the seasons, whether it was Kev who was there for the large part of it. He was influential, you know, uh, on and, and off the dress, uh, off the park. Um, one of the things Kev used to do, it makes me smile every time I do this. Now, Kev, as you know, is a is a cracking guy, right? Uh, great footballer, lovely guy off the park. Um, it doesn't drink, but he, he's just still full of carry on and a night out and stuff like that. But one of the things he used to always do to me in the changing room was that, you know what a changing room's like? It's just people just coming in and out of showers, people are standing naked, chatting away and he would just to always catch me on the shout, so I would turn round. So he would, he would shout, Gaz! And when I turned round, he's bent over naked, <laughs> spread, spreading his cheeks, asking me to give his tonsils a look at. <laughs> oh, man. Gaz, give him tonsils a check, will you? Come on. <laughs> so, see all that Mr Sensible and stuff like that. He had that um, weird, weird funny side to him as well. I think that's uh, that's definitely one of the biggest culture shocks. I think for, uh, for <laughs> boys moving up to boys club because, uh, well, I, I had a wee bit of it. So coach, and I was was more experienced by the time I came to lags. But uh, I think I love seeing see when folk move up and for the first time. Obviously, we've not had that so much now because we don't get changing rooms at the moment. But see watching them for the first time in the chairs, like a rabbit in the headlights, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I know, see, the thing is, you need to kind of, you need to embrace it and get used to it quick as a young player, you know, and sh- try to show that you're you're not overwhelmed by it, you know. And I can remember you, you in the changing room, you took it like a duck to water. I think that <laughs> camaraderie is right up your street. <laughs> I, well, I've, I've, I've learned over, over the years to be a bit more, bit more bold out there. I, honestly, I, I think the one thing that's helped me integrate myself into the large changing room has been my socks. See, as soon as I turned up, I had that socks on, man. That was me. <laughs> that was your big arm around you. Morning. Love it. <laughs> was the first thing I do before I head out of the tunes, but if I could put a pair of socks on, I'm going to wear them. There was another one, another time about Kev as well, where we had one, I think we won one nil away to shots in a really important game mid season uh, when we were going through promotion. And we were making my way back to the bus, and the bus was full, and everybody's like, Where's Kev? 
where is he? And I, if, you, if you've been the night out with Kev, you know his karaoke songs, Mysterious Girl. <laughs> so when everybody's looking for where Kev, where Kev is, then all of a sudden through the tannoy that it shots Hannah Park, Kev's, oh, Mysterious Girl. The whole bus was doubled over. It was brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> oh, I remember that well. There was a video of it. I think they posted a video of it on as well. It was... That's right. Some guy. That's what it's all about. Honestly, got a few drinks in me and Macaulay's and Lags. That's me in the karaoke. I'm always looking for <laughs> I need a sidekick to give me the confidence. I don't even want to be singing. I just want to be standing next to me and hold the mic. That's pretty <laughs> <laughs> Macaulay's is, is a, as I said, if you're celebrating a football thing in Lags, then Macaulay's, you know, is a place to be. Oh, it's an absolute go-to. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I missed it. I missed it in a lot of this. That's my that's my issue. <laughs> first proper season with the first team, albeit not really playing. That's not the point. I'm just there for the atmosphere. <laughs> and by the way, you know when I when I mentioned, see that like, it's so cliche, but it's so true. Like see that like, a team that, that drinks together, wins together, or a team that socialises, that makes a massive off the park. Uh, relationships make a massive impact on the park, and I think you, you even seen that, you know, t- towards the 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 end of the my my time at Lads as well as the the relationships in a dressing room was a lot different and a lot stronger to when they were when I when I left Lads, mm-hmm. and I think that's just that's obviously testament to to Arne bringing in the right sort of players, and and not only did they need to be a good footballer, but they need to have the right um, personality and attitude to and be able to blend with existing uh, players as well. Um, so the, the off the park stuff, it definitely uh, brings success on it in my eyes. And I, I've kind of seen that. See, if it's a youth club point of view, I think the the way that they've even developed it when I first joined them, like the 21s was absolutely brilliant. It's honestly the, the best two seasons yep. I've, I've, I've played in my life. I absolutely loved mm-hmm. it. The 20s you've got now, I've got a great setup going. They had the 19s going the year before, and you see it when they move up. See when you get three of them coming into the squad and things like that. Time it just it makes them a lot easier for them coming in to begin with, and they're used to that kind of all together changing room squad feeling because they've just been they've been doing it now and they've been part of the setup at Lags like that for a while. It just I think it makes some difference. Definitely, and it's, it's it must be so good for it for the young ones coming through, and then even when you get the the bounce games whether the People's games are off on a Saturday and you turn up to Bars Field and you're playing like a mixed 11 or it's a training game or boys are getting invited into training and stuff like that. Even breeding them into the team and into the surroundings, into the expectations and standards of the first team is only going to benefit them in the long run. And you're seeing it now with guys like yourself and I can think of the, the Sewell brothers and a few other players that's come through as well as they've been been fantastic and hopefully that's a, a, a long-standing conveyor belt for the large first team that these 20s, 21 guys uh, come through, having been introduced the way that, that you guys were. I think the young boys coming through, how much of a young Gary Fleming do you see in case? You know, I, I see so much, see so much, except he's technically better. <laughs> so, that's one thing. I've uh, I, half time the other day. You know, can't go be buzzing to get this in here as opposed to having a go at his golf game. <laughs> half time <laughs> the other day, we we create literally turns and says to us in the bench, "Your boys want this one in top staunch." <laughs> he screams on in left foot in the top corner. He's away. No, no. 
Oh, yeah. it was brilliant. And by the way, it was, it, how he was introduced to the squad was genius as well. And I know Kev spoke, spoke about it as well, but when he, he came, I think he was still training with St Andrews Boys Club, but he was coming down training the first year. Then the second season, I think he was come, come training more, but still playing with, with his boys' club. And then it wasn't until the grand Prix third season I've been about the squad that you've seen him. He was just in his first season and got himself in a starting eleven, and he stayed there. He's fantastic, you know, and the attitude on him, he, he, his fitness, his work rate, he's, he, he deserves all he gets, you know, and I think he's got a, a big, big career ahead of him in junior football, if he not all- beyond. He also scored a first goal in senior football because he scored an equaliser against Cumbernauld a few weeks ago. So he's got a so wee bit of history as well. A wee bit of history yeah, from him as well. Was that one of only go, only yeah, from there. Yeah. <laughs> he's, only, he's still only 20 and he's, he's scored, I think, six or seven goals, I believe. Not bad. My favourite thing about me, Craig, coming was uh, when they shouted youngest in the middle. It was no longer me going in the middle for a run. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you think that, that suits him? He just loves chasing the ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'd be saying the youngest one needs to stay on the outside, to be fair. <laughs> uh, touching back on the football, 2018, just before we go on to talk about specifics, just uh, as a season, 2018-19, what, what was that like for you? Uh, Scottish Cup year, just to get my dates right here. Aye, aye, yes. this is the Scottish Cup. So... It was amazing. See, see to play with the the squad and the players that I played with. It was a privilege, and you know, and the football that we played that year, and some of the results that we played were absolutely incredible. You know, whether it was the the run to the Scottish Cup, whether it was beating Meda seven nothing, going away and setting records with Scottish Cup victories and stuff. It was absolutely amazing. Um, to even play with guys who Mark Miller, who was who was fresh out the seniors. Um, you know, Kev had a great season. Guys like Ben Black, Stuart Falls in midfield as well, and Marty Orr, who was you know so Mister Consistent, and then we lost the other side, and we two two centre halves, and Nicky and, and Craig were were just amazing. You know, um, I could go through every player, add up top and stuff like that. everybody played their part, and the standard was so good, was so good at training, um. And that's what that's probably what I, what I meant as well when I said there was a big difference from when the football we played in Arnie's first years compared to the football we played in his second years because he had the, the he's been through that transition period of, of bringing in the players that suit his style and, and fit to the to the way that he wants to play, um, and then bringing in guys like, like Mark Miller and Stuart Folds who can. Uh, who love to play on the, the the deck and can dictate games from a midway park really took us to, to the next level. So I probably, I found myself at a team um, probably more than in it that year, but albeit um, there was at times I couldn't really complain because the guys in front of us were, were churning out some uh, uh, amazing results, you know. And I should point out that you found out the team was by no way just a lack of hard work or anything like that. <laughs> I don't think I have ever seen anyone do as much extras in my life. <laughs> okay, I came down. I came down and done them once with you in Begley, and that, that was enough for me to be fair. <laughs> that was that was always because uh, after a, a Scottish Cup win, you, you'd know you get the benefit of the the swimming sauna, 
and as someone who was actually never even in the squad for any of the Scottish Cup games, I kind of re- refused to turn up. That's when I saw that. <laughs> like, but, uh, nah, it, was a, it was a fantastic squad, and the only the only disappointing thing with that is just that that you never got to to keep the guys. Um, for the following season, you know your your Marys and your Marks, and and really build build on that as well because you know I, I genuinely reckon that squad could have been on and competed for for leagues and stuff like that. If this whole COVID thing never kicked in as well, um, you know, a great great squad that allows just now, but the the probably the bit of senior and experienced players that we've lost that year as well would have um, had a massive impact uh, on league tables and stuff. In terms of the, the type of midfielders who were playing in that team, you kind of touched upon some of the names. How different was that from when you first came to the club, some of the guys were playing alongside? Can you say the likes of Stuart actually kind of plays in a similar position technically to you, like playing kind of further back in the midfield, but mm-hmm. plays it in a completely different way? Was it just like a, a whole new style of football, even for you having spent a few years, uh, quite a few years in the game? Definitely so. Like, like, you know, my, my game is all about battling, winning the ball and moving it on, whereas you, you take me out and move somebody on who, who likes to, to get on the ball and move it and pass it and play in a more attractive style of play, then um, you could see why they, they, they maybe stayed in the team at times or uh, or you could just see what, what, they, what they brung. You know, Stuart was a, a cracking player and, and Murray, Murray was, he's probably the, the person who I partnered most with in centre mid throughout that time, through the good times and, and the the not so good times, and, and he was still playing his part uh, in that team as well, you know. So it was it was good to to be a part of that sort of midfield and those talented players. But uh, even I think back to when I first joined, like as much as the guys weren't the guys of my first promotion, maybe weren't as talented football wise uh, compared to the guys in my last year, was that they were still what they, what they did bring was you know that uh, energy, hard work willing to get in the trenches and put their bodies on the line for you just to, to grind out a result and I've got every, every much as respect for somebody who gives me that playing next to him for somebody who's who's a genius with the ball at their feet and then uh, just to you know, not want to brown noise too much around here but for starters <laughs> I think there's always a, a need for a, a guys Fleming type player in a team I mean, not, <laughs> not every game is going to be played pretty especially some of the places you go away I can but I feel it's a bit of a a carpet, you know, you can play nice football on it, on it, but you go away to places like Talbot, Beeve, you know, they're wanting to put the, the ball up in the air or maybe play a bit less, but, but you, you need folk that are still going to get stuck in. And then it speaks volumes to, like uh, you said, yourself and Muri, who have played with Lag when they were kind of towards their, their lowest and they're still playing with them when they're in the Premier League and giving really good teams an, an absolute doing, basically. I know. See, see, the thing is, when you mentioned about the last pitch, you know, it, what really suited us was the fact that teams thought you they would go. This game of football, both teams play lovely, pretty patterns and possession and stuff. But it, it couldn't be any further from the truth because within the first five minutes, teams would know they're in our game because they would go at them hard and fast and in their faces and, and win the right to play football if we did play football. And I think uh, that part lulls a lot of teams still to the of what the game's actually going to be like and that played right into our hands to be honest with you and then the big one we can't we can't talk about that season without talking a little bit even even a wee bit in depth about 
the run to the Scottish Cup. You said you didn't obviously play as much as you'd like, but what memories have you still got of some of the games and the run up to the final? Uh, amazing, you know, so um, even away at the start of the journey, like a 9-1 game away at Abroth, then, then, you know, playing the, I didn't, did I play in the, I don't think I played in the, the co-winning game, I didn't play in the co-winning game, which was a fantastic result and performance all round. The so Rocks went to replay, I played away at so Rocks in the game of 1-5-2, and the thing is as well, what's disappointing about that is, I probably had a really, really good game, uh, against it rocks but I came off at 1-0 and we went on in 1-5-2 and it was a guy who came on for me <laughs> that changed the game scored two goals and then set up another Thank you to Graham at Swanson Asset Management for sponsoring this episode of Murray's Mates Sam provide operational services for planned cyclical and reactive repair programmes for your property portfolio Get in touch with Graham by calling 075-872-243-22 or by emailing samltd2017 at outlook.com. Going on to the day itself in terms of the build-up, the pre-match, the before the game, I can always remember Arnie shouting me over on the pitch um, the New Douglas Park to, to tell me that I wasn't going to be, be starting that day. Um and to be honest with you, I had an idea because throughout that season, if he wanted, if he could name his, his strongest team with the three in the midfield, it was Stuart, Murray and Mark. But where I thought I might have had a chance was on the lead-up to the Scottish Cup final, I played five games in a row, started them all, and I, it was probably the best I've played in you know, a, a year and a half, two years. And it might have been an element of the Scottish Cup final dangling over you that my, my levels went to a new level. But I played really, really well. Um, and the other thing was that Murray was coming back from, it was either an ankle or a foot or a toe injury. Uh, and he was he was attending these um, chambers that you go to that in accelerates recovery and stuff. So he was going to them uh, once or twice a week on the lead up to the Scottish Cup final. So I'm flying uh, with my form, my fitness, Murray's trying to get himself up to scratching up to speed. So there was an Must element, you know, <laughs> there's an element of me thinking, you know, I, I might play here, but then when I get a call to say I never, um, before, I, I, obviously, I, I would never give the manager grief for a game. I just say, right, okay. So he told me he wasn't playing. I said, right, okay, let's, let's do this. Um, shook his hand and off we went in to prepare for the, prepare for the game. Um, I... And the thing, the thing, thing is that that day, uh, Larks played really, really well. You know, we, we gave away two goals, but the some of the, the football we played, and um, albeit it suited Talbot, the fact that we were playing in front of their back four and in front of two banks of four, and they were hard to break down. But at times we played some nice football, you know, and the only, and I, I think I come in, come on within the last ten minutes. My only disappointment with that is if, if I wasn't playing. The fact that I was in good form leading up to that game is I would have liked to have been on a wee bit sooner to try impact it, especially when we're 2-0 down. Maybe got to a point in the game that it needed a wee bit of fresh ideas or something to happen. Whether it was me on to kick somebody to spur us on, it gave us a, a, a G up, you know, like anything at all. I just felt I could have maybe had more of an impact than the, the time I had on the pitch. That's almost exactly what I was going to ask you as well, was just... 
how frustrating it must be at the side of the park when you see a game's not going your way. As much as possession as we had, I mean, I, I don't really think we we threatened a goal all that much in the game, yeah. especially that they were. You know what I say is it's probably not the nicest way to play football, but almost what you touched upon. I think they just made sure to leave a few in and Ben Black early that he was giving them trouble, but literally almost every time he got near one of them, he was he was up in the air and things like that are frustrating and maybe is that what we needed to spur us on was just basically giving them a bit back, you know, trying to play them a wee bit of their own game without falling too much into that trap. Yeah. And the other thing is as well is like a lot see although my position, a lot of people think I I, I would sit in front of the, the a back three or a back four. But see to be able to sit in front of a back three, back four you need to be good in, on the swivel and good by receiving the ball off your full-backs to play out the other side and stuff. I was probably better one in front by trying getting a toe in and nicking a ball um, a 50-50 away from a midfielder or uh, putting them on the back foot by, by intercepting something rather than on that defensive mind. So that's where I was at and how, in my head how I could have impacted that game. Um, and it, to be fair to Talbot, I mean, they, they probably had a game, I, I, I've no doubt they had a game plan in terms of knowing that our wide areas we were really, really pacey, um, which is why they, they sat, sat back an, an extra five or ten yards, especially on that surface as well, where we were absolutely phenomenal that season on uh, at Barfields and on that type of surface. I think uh, one of the frustrating things about the day as well, I mean, again, I mean, my experience of it was incredibly different to yours. I mean, I was a bottle of dug, didn't they? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like conceding so early at a game like that you think but I said the game had one nothing Mark Miller screamer written all over it just like if we can keep it tight for as long as we can all it takes is a yeah. goal so it was an absolute disaster basically conceding so early on and just giving them the opportunity to sit so far back they, weren't ch- they were never chasing the game type thing Aye, that's, that's the thing that, that's why so because they weren't chasing the game then and they had it had this where we where they wanted us, you know, so they were happy to sit in and, I mean, what all Talbot teams do well is battle and defend and, and grind out results when, when they need to, you know, and and, and they've done it, done it well that, that day. Um, so, no, it, it was disappointing. Um, it, was a, it was a good experience, the, the whole journey of that and see it all come together and live on the telly and having your family and friends and stuff and then... Um, as much as it, it wasn't a celebration afterwards, we, we used to have that we get together and a, a couple of drinks talking over the, the whole season because it was the last game of the season. It was ultimately my last game for Largs as well. So it was an emotional, emotional day for me. And um, as much as we get beat, you know, to have my daughter um, at my side after the game and they give me a big cuddling kiss. And I'm even getting emotional now speaking about it uh, because it was my last game, you know. So... I, as much as it was a disappointing end, it was an end to an amazing experience for me at Lags, you know. Well, dude, I, I'm scared. I don't want to get you too, too emotional in here. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Just you, you touched, you've touched up on it a few times. Like, how much do you look back in your time at Lags and just think about how much it just overall played a part in your whole family life? Because you know you, you've been at you would allow your kids growing up and you know when you've got engaged and then married it's just kind of there along the, the whole kind of process especially with some of your teammates how much a part can a football club play in just your whole life in general oh like so like, like I, I touched on earlier like 
I give it a hundred and ten percent when when I'm when I'm playing for the club and even even more so for lag. So in terms of I, I owe so much to, for the for the great memories that they've gave me, my wife, um, my daughter, um, that will live me for forever. You know, it's gave me friends that will have forever. Um, and you know the relationship I had with it, with the players, the coaching staff, even the, the committee people as well, and, and uh, all all that they do behind the scenes that nobody sees, and they, these guys need credit as well. I mean, these guys work so so hard for for the players and coaches. Paul, even when he does video stuff, and um, you. you know, if, if videos he captured, I'll be able to look back, and it's memories <laughs> that make me smile and make. Um, you know the the programs he does, uh, and then the people that come and support the club as well. You know guys like, you know Graham Swanson and the boys like you know, Alex Adams stuff like. That. So these guys fall at night and day. So it's not as if it's just a game of football on a Saturday for me. It means so much more, and you're not only playing for for large, you're playing for for the town. It's there's a real sense of in it together. And I suppose when I was playing. I didn't want to let people down. I just wanted to, to play my part in it. Um, and I couldn't thank Lars enough for how, how welcome they were to myself and my family. And I think it's, it's well well known that how much I, I did love the time and, and, and so did they. Uh, just, we'll move on to Lags in a minute. There's just a few things <laughs> that I want, to, I want to cover before we move on. It's kind of hard to tie into individual seasons. Uh, just, just for starters, having now time to look back and reflect, how different was the club you joined compared to the one that you left uh, when you eventually did leave in kind of 2019? Uh, massively. Uh, so when I joined the club, was was heading down, they get put out the Scottish Cup. Um, there was a dressing room that wasn't overly happy with, with great relationships and stuff. You know, fast forward four and a half, five years, then you're competing in Scottish Cups. You're moving into senior football. You've got a community club with all the different brackets underneath. You've got, you know, as much as we had the facilities, you've got that structure of the committee really supporting you in the background. The fans were, were were amazing and being able to share some real, real happy times as well over the the five years that from when I started to when I left. You know, so it was night and day, and I think the club's whole mentality has shifted from being. Just been there, uh, being a number as part of that Super League. To you know what we can do things, we can go and compete for for trophies and league tables and and, and real make make our mark on it. So there's a there's a big mentality shift as well as progress on the park. And so you've got some I'm sure some memories off the football pitch. One that this master that this is this is came from you. So what's coming next is will be a surprise to all of us. The car school or the car wars. Enlighten us, guys. What is it? All oh, right, no. So I've just when you asked this on, I'm like, right, what's a couple of what's a couple of wee stories that I could I could tell, and I'm like, see, the thing is, these are not even long-winded stories or tales or anything. They're just stuff that I look back and makes me smile. And and some of the stuff I was talking about at car school, I think back of when I first uh, joined Largs and the, the first car car school that we called that I was in was with Nicky Jameson, Glenn Thompson. Scotty Keogh and Alan Frizzle. And you all become close friends because you're, tra- you're travelling up and down uh, three times a week and stuff. And um, you tell different stories and stuff. And especially that car. I mean, I'm a good, I was a good eight, nine, nine years older than them. And it was, 
at times it was like been in a car be in between us. But some of the stories, some of the stories he used to do was, you know, there was this one time I can remember was uh, we were away to beef in a cup. Um, it was the west, west of Scotland, and collecting five boys round Greenock uh, and getting us all down to down to beef in time for. Uh, it's almost impossible when you've got a guy like Nicky Jameson and Alan Frizzle who are so laid back. So already we were cutting it tight, getting to beef. Throw in the mix that Nicky's driving, who's the worst driver in the world as well. So by that point, uh, Nicky's not knowing where he's going because it's the first time he's travelled to beef. So then when they get to beef, we're already a good 15 minutes late. Nicky's struggling to find a parking space. He eventually finds a parking space, but he can't park. So he, what he does again, he drives by the front door and loops back round into the estate and goes back round to Beaver again, look for another parking space. And meanwhile, I'm going mental, telling him, look, stop the car, let us all out and you come in. No, big Nicky doesn't do that. He takes us back through the driving estate, housing estate for a second time. So by the time we get there, I am absolutely fuming because I like to be nice and early and well-organised and stuff. By the time we get there, the changing room is deserted because all the players and the coaching staff are out on the warm-up and all five of us were meant to be playing that day. So we ran out on the park and the warm-up's halfway through. Um, Arnie is absolutely livid. Um, all five of us were starting. We get beat for nothing. Uh, and then we went up the road with tails between my, my legs. Uh, and we still, Nicky still laughs about it that day just because how fuming I was. But it's just by his lazy, lackadaisical attitude is, is, is why we get beat for nothing. That's what I'm saying anyway, you know. <laughs> and then um, uh, you're talking about the kind, of, the kind of characters you've shared the changing room with, you've touched upon them. If, if you were to kind of look back at everyone you've played with, what ones are you taking forward and you're, you're telling stories about in a few years' time about, oh, I remember playing with this boy and he done that, and what kind of players are you thinking of? Well, a few, a few, but there's one, there's one probably, I'm going to say a name here, when I say the name, you'll probably be really surprised at why I'm, I'm saying the name, uh, but we Laurie, we Laurie is a character, and, and, and the reason being, is just the story, a couple of stories that actually came was that, I did, you ever heard the time about Laurie had phoned Arnie about training? I don't know what's coming here, but I'm like, right. so, <laughs> so uh, middle of winter, it was a freezing night, absolutely pouring down. Just at night, you're just like, oh, I can't go training. Anyway, Laurie's a clever boy and he was studying really hard and he's been working all these different places, um, working towards his degree and stuff. And he had been up in Aberdeen and he'd phoned Arnie. Uh, about an hour before training saying he wasn't going to make it um, because he was still uh, just travelling outside Aberdeen on the way home but Arnie's already on way to training as Laurie's on the phone to him now as Laurie's on the phone to him Arnie's in the car and he's like Laurie's car in front of me so he's telling, he's still keeping Laurie on the phone talking to him, letting him give him this big excuse of why he can't get to training and then Arnie, Arnie pulls up beside him on the motorway on the car and he's like, Laurie, look to your right. And Laurie's like, oh, God, I've just lied to him about, you know, 
I can't make training because I'm outside Aberdeen and there he is. I'm right next to Arnie here. So Arnie's just lit. I'll see you at training and hung up. <laughs> so Laurie turns out in training with a tail between his legs. And then there was a, another time with Laurie where he's a, we were playing away at Les Mahegel in the cup and it was a, a game that we get beat and we shouldn't have got beat. I think Laurie gave away a penalty anyway. We got absolutely hounded in the dressing room afterwards and Arnie was fuming. But Laurie was having one of his wee days where he would kind of just, he would answer back. He just wouldn't let it go. Normally you just let your manager shout at you. You just need, you know, get on with it. But he wouldn't let it go. And he would, he would, he would just like nipping away and it made Arnie more and more raging. So he ended up turning him into an argument. But there was only going to ever be one winner. But what had happened was, when the bus drops you off at Les Mahegel, Laurie needs to take Arnie up the road with just them two in the car. So see after them two having it out in an argument, and then you see them getting off the bus together. Oh, it makes you cringe because they were so they'd fell out with each other. Yeah. Now the other, the other, the other one I was thinking about Laurie was that gotta remember we Laurie's got got that famous song which uh, goes to the tune of Band Aid where it says Feed We Laurie, let him know it's Christmas time, you know. So <laughs> love that love that one with, with we be Laurie as well. But what a player, what a player he is, you know, bra- bravest player I've ever played with and he's probably the smallest player I've, I've played with. Uh, feared for his life at times when he's in for 50-50s, you know. Like he gave us a fear against Clydebank. Seven <laughs> <laughs> minutes, wasn't it? He gets, it took seven minutes in his first senior game. First seven minutes, oh. first game in senior tap that. We're just back, no playing for months and he gets himself a two-game ban. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I, would, I would have been doing well. I would have been doing well. Not. To be fair, I've seen the, I've seen Anna get more frustrated after a lorry throw in than the red card. To be fair, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we're, we're just gonna summarise lags. If you've got to put a high or low point on it, what, what are you putting them down as? The, the high is the, the people. Uh, the mates that I made for life and the memories that I made for life combined with the the two promotions, two cup finals and that whole great escape thing, you know. So playing playing with some talented people and, and working for a, a great coach like Arnie was was, a, was amazing and there's stuff there that I'll, I'll take when I eventually hopefully get into coaching that I've learned so much from that, that I could put uh, on any sort of future teams. And then there's lows, there's lows you need to experience the lows if you're going to experience the high. So whether it's the relegation or the sending offs, the the, the OG against Affley, which was an absolute belter of a finish. Just a shame <laughs> it was in the wrong, I wrong side that of the uh, oh, made the Scott Adam proud that finish by the way. Uh, and there was also the also low was the, the Livingston away where it was a Scottish Cup early rounds, you're going through um, thinking you're going to win five or six, six nothing, uh, and I get told. I, in fact, I actually thought I was going to get rested that day because we had a big game the following week. So then we end up getting beat. I actually remember Slick coming off the park. He gets subbed during the game, and you know these poles that you put in the ground where there's like it's got wee spikes at the bottom of them. So right. he's he's lifted one in, it in a rage when he's come off the park, lifted one in poles and launched it as high as he could in the air, right above all the people, the players, the fans and the coaching staff standing at his side 
and I haven't seen people scamper as fast as I could as as uh, as did, I did that day because this spike was on its way down and it actually hit the ground and it stayed standing up on the ground. Um, so that was that was another funny but but low memory as well, you know. And then uh, we look now, you you went back to Greenland for what you've said, your, your third spell. What was the whole kind of thing behind the move? Was it just in terms of game time or was that a wee, wee bit about just being a closer at home as well? Um, predominantly, predominantly game time, to be honest with you. So as much as I experienced the highs of playing that amazing squad and steamer, you know, getting through to the, the Scottish Cup final and stuff, I probably didn't play as much as I did. I was going to, I'm very conscious. I was going into my, my twilight years, so I wanted to play regular and, and join uh, and enjoy my football. And Greenock were giving me an opportunity. You know, I, I, since I've, I've joined, I played last season, I've played this season, uh, working with, with Tom Malloy and Sean Dillon, no not speaking, who have been absolutely fantastic. And um, I, I've loved playing with them. It's, it was definitely the right move at the right time. Uh, and that's that. That's where I am now, you know. So, I'll be I'll be thirty five this year. So I'll see if I can get another season at me. I think, and then we'll, we'll see what happens there. As long as I stay fit and I stay injury free, then hopefully I can hopefully I can play another season, and we'll see what happens from there. But long term goal for me is to to get into coaching in some sort of capacity. And I, I know I know Kev mentioned what it was like when he was at, uh, at Winton and he ended up playing against Lags. But he said that was when he realised he made the wrong decision and ultimately end up coming back. I'm just thinking in terms of yourself, how, how weird is it lining up against a team that you spent so long at? Oh, it's so weird. So weird. It was a mixed it was really mixed emotions and, and we it was just weird just seeing playing at the the ground that you used to play at, uh, seeing the players who were once your teammates and then you're playing against them, you know, and I remember we played Largs at the start of the season. It was in the friendly and I was playing for Greenock, playing against Largs. And uh, I won the toss-up at the start of the game. And I know Largs have got a certain way of shooting. They shoot down the way in the first half and up, up towards the pavilion in the second half. So because I won the toss-up, what did I do? I flipped it about just to get in their head a wee bit. You know, it didn't help because I think they gubbed us 5 nothing. But um, <laughs> Anything to get the edge. Uh, and then just is there any do you see any similarities in the, the two clubs or is it just a completely different kind of setup? because I know uh, it was a short bit of a season that we had that uh, they certain Greenock certainly seem to be picking up from where they have been in recent years you know funny so I'd actually I'd said this uh, not long before they, we, we broke off is that um, when I'd spoke to some of the, the the guys at Greenock, I had to say to some of the younger boys that we were on to a good thing here, you know, there were similarities between us winning week in, week out, turning up in numbers at training, the training being real competitive, um, you know, every, everything was well set up and the approach and mentality, everybody was right and it did have real similarities to teams that won promotion, the teams that got a Scottish Cup. And I just try, had to remind the guys that were on to good, uh, good things. And that was just right before we were getting in, into the winter where it could be easy for players to pull up with injuries or say they're working or pulling up excuse for not going to training. You know, it was really, really important that everybody was, was still focused on, on the end goal, which was trying to win a league table. And I try to remind the players of the similarities that I've seen 
from the good times at Largs. Mm-hmm. I was seeing it in, in the Greenock squad as well. And I have absolutely no doubt that some of the players that I'm playing with now could and will at one point go to that next level and, and play at the, the level that Largs, Largs are playing at. But I plan, I plan to, to keep those players a, a secret until they're no longer my teammates. So Arne mm-hmm. kind of doesn't steal them away from us, you know. Is, uh, is coaching something you can see yourself moving into, uh, moving forward, like you say, if you're uh, taking kind of less playing responsibility, certainly? Definitely, definitely, you know, and I've learned so much off, off different coaches and um, it probably, Arne, I've probably learned the most, you know, having worked with him longest, you know, been been real close to him and seeing him come through the, the good times, the bad times, the different challenges, how he's managed different personalities and, you know, He's evolved that club so much, and to even do half of what he's done as a, as a manager would be amazing. But for me, the next step would be just to, to get involved in coaching, whether it's um, you know as a coach or a number two or, or watching someone. It's been been a coach is a, a long term ambition to me. I, I've, I've been in football since I was a wee boy. I've still got a, you know desire that I want to be on a training part if I'm not training on Monday and a Wednesday and, and showing up and ready and prepared to, to go out and get three points on a Saturday and if I could share even some of the things that I've picked up along the way and improves even one player then I've, I've done done something right You've still got time to be in the Greenock team of the decade <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I, actually, maybe. I have to slightly apo- I know you were joking but for listeners the context was I mentioned in the last podcast we had a team of the decade vote, uh, and Gary did not feature in this for no fault of for no fault of his own. You actually were initially in my list, Gary. Uh, I had to. It was that, but I had put a player in the wrong position in that list, and had to fit, mix it back and. Solely on the basis that this player had more geek played, you could probably have a fair guess at identity, but solely at the fair basis that they played more games, I, with regret, removed you from this list. Though yeah. I definitely felt you were one of my favourite players I've ever seen at Barfields. And I oh, remember you were a little bit upset about it, but it was, it was yeah. not seriously, of course. It was just a bit of bad luck, Gary. And no, mate, you're certainly that, my favourite player. That. You're certainly in my top, <laughs> my starting eleven of players called Gary. <laughs> Thanks a lot, mate. Thank oh, you. Oh, the guys, you're only the only big name in those list. Ah, it's it, mate. It's it. And by the way, what a team to get put out when they play the decade, the team of the decade. There, what a team. Abs- absolutely, one player that I, some people I remember saying to Kevin, and you probably heard this as well when I spoke to Kevin, that I'd featured on that list, where we didn't get voted in, but he was in the up for voting was Joe Knowles. Joe wasn't with us for long, but if you played with Joe, you knew how good the play he was. So it's, it showed what a team we had, what a squad of players we had who we could, who fans could vote on and who fans could could, could pick. What uh, Joe, Joe, Joe is a, a real, real talented player. You know, he he don't play in the Australian A League for for nothing. I think he had you know close to fifteen, tw- close to fifteen, twenty first team games. Where uh, was it? Brisbane Roar? Is it Brisbane Roar? Perth Glory. Perth, Perth Glory. Sorry, but Perth Glory. You know, so 
Um, you could tell that he had played at a, a real high standard and the fact that he was in training full-time in Morton, be hopeful getting a full-time contract, it didn't materialise. But, you know, when, when he showed up on a Saturday and showed up at training, he, he could play. The only thing he, he probably didn't get used to is the, the demands from from myself and, and other players like when we didn't have a ball, you know. So continental football, you, you maybe don't need to harass and, and have the same burning desire to win the ball back right away. So Joe took a wee bit of getting used to and a bit of a culture shock for him, but hopefully it stood him in good stead for him back to Australia to play his football. Mm-hmm. He's doing very well over in Australia. He's played in the second tier in the National League and I, st- I still enjoy following him. What a team we had that mm-hmm. season. I, I, I know we've said it, but it, it's worth repeating. It was great to, to simply witness that and it was great to have you been a part of that team, Gary. Oh, thank you. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Uh, just in terms of this year, guys, I mean, for starters, it must be frustrating to, to miss out on a year when, as you say, you're probably closer towards the time where you're considering how much longer do I keep playing. How, how frustrating is COVID for a player like yourself that's just loves being involved in football? Ah, oh, you know, safety first, really. You know, you need, you need to think it's safety first, and we're doing it all, doing it for a reason. But it is, it's it's hard, you know, you, it's hard for players to, to stay fit, stay motivated. I think I mentioned uh, previously as well, it's like football is your, your getaway for a couple of hours, you know. So if it's your getaway from work, if it's your getaway, you're your, your house and the family it's a time where you go and enjoy playing something that you love and having banter with players that you love um, and it's just it's just it's, it's been hard and it's been hard on us all and even things going back to like um, uh, when we need to change and it's changing stands and stuff you're not allowed in dressing rooms or you need to turn up with your strip on and stuff you know I would do anything for a game of football, but I hope we get back to a time where we can actually just um, get back in the dressing rooms because having having your mates in a dressing room before and after a game is, is part and parcel of why I love football as well. And uh, just in terms of your 5K times, Gary, are you getting anywhere near Craig Forbes' levels? Wait, where's Craig Forbes churning out? Um, I, I believe his best was like 16.43, which is absolutely uh, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Ridic- nowhere near it. Nowhere near it. If I do a sub, if I do a sub twenty, if I do a sub twenty, I'm I'm happy. You know. Sorry, if Mari, carry on. Uh, I mean, if I could spin for five kilometers, I'm not getting his time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the pavements are different up Greenock, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, my excuse is it's really windy and then I get can't use that excuse because Craig runs up here as well. So <laughs> you uh, must just pick it up with his back the whole way. Ah, uh, that's that's it. That's it. Oh, that's that's frightening times. Frightening times. And the thing is that like, I was I've always been fairly fit or reasonably fit and up there with the fittest. Probably not Graham Graham Muir sort of fit, but I was up there. <laughs> uh but that time Craig's churning out is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. Guys, before we wrap up, is there anything else you just want to, want to throw out there anything you, you think the, the listeners should know? Eh, uh, you know, no, you know, I've, I've, I've touched in, in most, of, most of the stuff that, that I've said. I just, what I just say, a, a big thank you for you guys for, for asking me on. Uh, thank you for for players past and present, for, for being good teammates. Hopefully, I can catch up with 
for you guys and the guys at some point after this whole COVID thing for for a beer and talk about old times. <laughs> and I'm I'm absolutely sure it'll be like but as if we've never been apart um, because we've been we've formed that sort of close bond and friendship and I still do drop different players and messages and read texts now and again to see how they're, how they're getting on, how the family's getting on and stuff, you know. So just a big thank you to, to everyone involved and for making my, my whole experience at large an enjoyable one. No, seriously, guys, uh, thanks very much for coming on. It was... Uh... You speak so highly of the club. It's uh, it's great to hear, especially for a man that I know, like myself, it's going to be spending many years to come at it, of course. <laughs> and I would like to say happy birthday to your daughter from yesterday. I hope she's a, she's a fantastic day. She did. She's spoiled rotten. Thanks so much, mate. <laughs> I'll make sure to get you back down for my testimonial, by the way, guys, if you're still <laughs> Please do. Please do. <laughs> Let me grace that field one more time, mate. <laughs> uh, and... I, I'm, I'm happy to call it a day there uh, for, for yeah. our podcast. Look forward to having more guests on in the future. Got a lot to live up to, certainly, from the, the last few weeks. And, uh, of course, from everyone at Lags Thistle, stay safe and we look forward to seeing you all at Barfields again soon. Thank you very much for coming Keep up with great work. Uh, no, guys, Cheers, guys. Usually, thanks very much, mate. Bye-bye. Thank you. See, see you, you soon. Later.